0: Hello, and welcome to the Libertatum Chronicles Podcast. The problem basically is still logical. It must be of the spirit if we are to save the flesh. You are what is our aim? I can answer in one word. Victory. Victory at all costs. Winston Churchill said the destiny of man is not measured by material computations. When great forces are on the move in the world, we learn we're spirits, not animals. And he said there's something going on in time and space and beyond time and space, which whether we like it or not, spells duty. You and I have a rendezvous with destiny. We'll preserve for our children this the last best hope of man on earth, or we'll sentence them to take the last step into a thousand years of darkness. Let us not wallow in the valley of despair. So even though we face the difficulties of today and tomorrow, I still have a dream. It is a dream deeply rooted in the American dream. I have a dream. Hello, everyone. I want to welcome you back to the podcast. Today I'm bringing you a chapter from my book, Destroying the Shadow Agenda, and the title of this is called America Hijacked. In this episode, I'm going to be sharing with you an allegory that occurred to me regarding the flight of United Airlines Flight 93, which crashed in a lonely field in Pennsylvania on 9-11 of 2001. This was the crash of an aircraft that had been hijacked by terrorists and apparently was being commandeered and flown into targets unknown in the Washington, D.C. area. I think you'll find a lot in this story that will relate to the present circumstance that we're all in here in the United States of America. You see, I believe that our nation has been hijacked by illegitimate crew members who have taken the ship of state, the United States of America, the shared ride that we're on, into directions that were never contemplated by our founding fathers and the documents that they left us in the Bill of Rights and the Constitution. So travel with me now as we take a journey into this event, and let's learn what we may about how that event reflects the circumstances we find ourselves in today in these United States of America. I'll be back at the end to make some announcements. And thanks again for checking in. No matter how paranoid or conspiracy-minded you are, what the government is actually doing is worse than you can imagine. Don't believe anything until it's been officially denied. William Bloom, former U.S. State Department employee. Disclaimer. I shared the above quote by William Bloom, even though I strongly disagree with many of his other views and especially his scathing and vicious criticisms against the United States. Specifically, I stand opposed to what I perceive to be his secular leftist worldview. I strongly suspect he would gladly burn down the entire house over our heads just to kill some rats in the attic. However, Bloom's assessments serve to underscore an important point I'm going to hammer in this chapter. Something terrible has happened to our country. Thieves and liars have seized significant portions of power within our government, our schools, and our society. In a word, our nation has been hijacked. America has endured a long, progressive transformation in foreign and domestic policy for the past century. The nation's plunge into evil accelerated in radical ways after the 9 11 attacks. Since that time, we've moved rapidly towards some form of post constitutional fascist authoritarian government. Initially, this started as a seemingly desperate push for national security under President George W. Bush. However, it is now clear that our constitutionally guaranteed rights and freedoms suffered severe damage in the name of safety and national security. The shift to greater government control of every major sector of our lives has accelerated. Under the Obama administration, domestic surveillance increasingly focused attention on our own citizens rather than real Islamic terrorism threats. Such internally misdirected scrutiny is continually justified in the name of social justice, fairness, and racial equality. In the meantime, our actual national security concerns are nearly ignored. There is a growing sense of paranoia among those who dare to question the policies of the administration. There is increasing evidence that public criticism will triggers harassing IRS audits and other retaliatory actions by agents of the government, or worse. Even our treasured freedom of speech now appears to be at risk. A song from the 1960s titled For What It's Worth by Stephen Stills of Buffalo Springfield seems to speak prophetically to our times. Paranoia strikes deep. Into your life it will creep. It starts when you're always afraid. You step out of line, the man come and take you away. Has America Been Hijacked? One of the hijacked aircraft on 9-11 ended its flight in a lonely field in rural Pennsylvania. United Flight 93 was one of the four airplanes reportedly commandeered by jihadist terrorists shortly after departure from Boston Logan Airport that fateful morning. The passengers and crew boarded their plane that morning with plans to travel without incident to the west coast on a routine flight. Their entire world changed 46 minutes after takeoff, when four jihadists reportedly slit the throat of a flight attendant with smuggled box cutters and gained access to the cockpit. They then murdered the flight crew and took control. The passengers and remaining crew found themselves trapped aboard an aircraft no longer under the control of legitimate pilots, flying erratically at high speeds toward an unknown destination. The terrorists in the cabin subdued the passengers with threats of fake explosives, ordering them to sit quietly and show no resistance. The cockpit voice recorder captured the terrifying moment when the terrorists gained access to the flight deck. Captain Jason Dahl of Flight 93 transmitted a distress call to air traffic control in the seconds just before he was attacked and killed. He held the microphone key open. Mayday. 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 Get out of here. Get out of here. A few minutes later, al-Qaeda terrorist Ziad Jara, now at the controls of the aircraft, made an announcement over what he thought was the aircraft intercom. Instead, he keyed the radio microphone and transmitted in the open to air traffic control. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the captain. Please sit down and keep remaining seated. We have a bomb on board, so sit. The cabin crew at the rear of the airplane called Airline Dispatch using an in-flight telephone to speak to people on the ground. Apparently, the terrorists didn't know how to disable the airphone system. Several passengers also made calls from their seats, contacting relatives and friends on the ground to gather information about what was happening. They did not use, as some erroneously reported, cell phones, which will not operate at high altitude. They learned about news reports of other hijackings and the use of those aircraft as missiles against targets on the ground. The horrible truth finally began to sink in. They were all prisoners aboard a doomed airplane, and unless they did something very soon, even the slightest hope of survival would be lost. A handful of passengers became convinced that their only hope would be to rush the cockpit and try to wrest control of the aircraft away from the terrorists. They probably knew that their chances were slim to none, but there just didn't seem to be any alternative. If they did nothing and sheepishly obeyed the terrorists, they were all dead. On the other hand, if they fought back and tried to regain control, they might die anyway, but at least they could go down fighting. According to a report filed by Glenn Johnson of the Boston Globe on November 23, 2001, One of the passengers, Todd Beamer, spoke to a relative on the airphone. He was overheard saying to a small band of travelers who decided to take action, Are you guys ready? Let's roll. Grabbing up fire extinguishers, jugs of hot water, and whatever else they could use as weapons, they shoved an assault service cart violently down the aisle to the front of the airplane. They finally subdued the jihadists guarding the cockpit door and broke in. The Allah-praising terrorists in the cockpit realized their defeat was imminent and suddenly plunged the aircraft into the ground before the passengers could regain the controls. Their courageous act of heroic resistance to terrorism inspired nearly everyone who learned of it. Something about that particular incident intrigued me because within the story, I believe I've discovered a powerful allegory. This allegory may provide some encouragement and inspiration to those of us who are finally awakening to the dangers we share. The actions of a small band of courageous passengers and crew on board United Flight 93 speaks in a powerful way to us all in these troubled times. Just go with me and consider the following. We're all sharing the same ride. Are we not all riding together as passengers aboard a common craft called the United States of America? Early in our history, as our nation was being initially formed and organized, we, the people, carefully and prayerfully chose representatives who crafted the country we now share. They set in the control systems, the constitutional separation of powers between the executive, legislative, and judicial branches. They also wrote a flight manual detailing procedures for safe operation, the Bill of Rights, and amendments. Within these documents, the Founders established the strict qualifications for those who would serve in the cockpit of elected office and operate the craft of state. As long as these systems and procedures were strictly maintained and followed, no external storm could successfully bring down the craft of state. We, the people, could live out our lives in relative peace and security as passengers aboard our shared craft we had confidence that our pilots, public servant government employees, could be relied upon to provide skilled and honest leadership for our continued journey toward life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Because of the wise systems our founders set in place, we, the people, held the ultimate authority to hire or fire those who serve us based upon their continued faithful attention to their mandated stewardship. An air traffic control system, a free and independent press, was encouraged to ensure that the safe, efficient flow of travel was competent and coordinated. Our elected pilots were held accountable for how they operated the aircraft in their trust within established regulations and flight plans. Ground service personnel were trained and set, i.e. our Justice Department, federal, state, and local law enforcement officers and military services. Each of these had the responsibility to maintain the craft, service it, and protect it. As long as each person bearing responsibility for the safe and efficient operation of our shared craft remained within their limits of authority and assigned duties, all was well. We in our generations could competently participate as passengers, secure in the knowledge that we would arrive safely at our various destinations. In the present crisis... Many of us have come to the conclusion that the cockpit, the control center of our country, the White House, Congress, and Judiciary, has been hijacked. Our shared craft appears to be under the control of unqualified and even malicious people who are presently flying erratically far outside established parameters. These hijackers have run our fuel tanks dry with a crushing national debt. To be specific, our national debt far exceeds, as of this date, $123 trillion in unfunded obligations. This burden is a level of debt we can never hope to repay. In a November 2013 Wall Street article, writers Chris Cox and Bill Archer explain the lack of knowledge about the unfunded liabilities. The actual liabilities of the federal government including Social Security, Medicare, and federal employees' future retirement benefits, already exceed $86.8 trillion, or 550% of GDP. For the year ending December 31, 2011, the annual accrued expense of Medicare and Social Security was $7 trillion. Nothing like that figure is used in calculating the deficit, in reality, the reported budget deficit is less than one-fifth of the more accurate figure. Why haven't Americans heard about the titanic eighty six point eight trillion liability from these programs? One reason the actual figures do not appear in black and white on any balance sheet. Be sure of one thing debt equals slavery. Apart from a providential miracle, We, along with our children, grandchildren, and great-grandchildren, are facing real slavery born of debt. Many of our cities and states are falling into insolvency due to overwhelming debt, and some are beginning to declare bankruptcy, the latest and most financially devastated city being Detroit, Michigan. Our inner cities are becoming seedbeds of violence, racial hatred, civil unrest, and moral depravity. As an interesting historical side note, the seat of the U.S. government moved from New York City to Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, where it remained until President John Adams ordered the federal government to pack its bags and establish the central offices at the nation's new capital in Washington, D.C. Congress adjourned its last meeting in Philadelphia on May 15, 1800, and all federal offices were up and running in Washington, D.C. by the 15th of June. Philadelphia officially ceased serving as our nation's capital as of June 11, 1800. Upon the opening of the new Washington, D.C. government offices, there were roughly 125 federal employees. You heard that correctly. One hundred and twenty-five. Since those early years, the federal government has exploded to mind-blowing size. According to the U.S. Census Bureau, current only through May 2011, the number of executive branch employees in the federal payroll has expanded beyond 2.8 million, with 2.65 million of these paid full-time. The sheer size of the federal government makes it impossible to accurately estimate the actual number of federal employees. Agencies operate within agencies. Therefore, no one in the federal government has a precise inventory of all the multiplied hundreds of sub agencies now on the public payroll. Needless to say, the number of federal employees now easily exceeds the population of many small countries. Can anyone say big government? The funds that pay the salaries and pensions of these multiplied millions of public employees come almost entirely from private sector workers and businesses. As the former British Prime Minister Margaret Thatcher once said, the problem with socialism is that you eventually run out of other people's money. We must return to the original flight plan. It appears that those who hate our country and all it stands for have illegally broken into the cockpit and control centers of our shared craft with false credentials and taken control of our national aircraft. These public employees are blatantly ignoring the original flight plan, the Constitution and Bill of Rights, and taking our country into directions never imagined by our original founders. We are hurtling toward near-certain destruction with runaway debt, political corruption, educational malfeasance, aided and abetted by media collusion. These hijackers have systematically eliminated the original authorized pilots. They are ignoring repeated calls from ground controllers, we the people, who are ordering them to return to the originally filed flight plan, the Constitution, and Bill of Rights. Many of us are beginning to connect the dots, We are awakening to the fact that powerful and ambitious people who hate the original flight plan are zealously laboring to crash our country. They are attempting to impose a foreign Marxist socialist system that tramples the Constitution and threatens to enslave our people. Those of us who are aware of history realize that such people have crashed other nations in other times and places with similarly diabolical flight plans. In each and every instance throughout history where such vicious systems gained power, the result was economic ruin and the deaths of tens of millions of people. Some of us are becoming convinced that unless we confront these hijackers now and take back the cockpit, we're doomed as a nation. We must place qualified and constitutionally authorized personnel back at the controls. Those hijackers, now occupying the White House, have the unmitigated hubris to make arrogant pronouncements over the only intercom system on board our shared aircraft. The national stenographer leftist news media lie to us, saying ridiculous things such as, everything is going to be fine as long as you cooperate and don't try to resist. If you criticize the pilot or those assisting him, you are a racist bigot, Islamophobe, homophobe. You hate women and minorities and probably want to destroy the world's climate and kill baby seals. Also, if you still believe in the original flight plan, the Constitution and the Bible, then it is you, not us, who are the real terrorists. We've obtained intelligence information from sources outside the official channels, and are now convinced that many of the people now holding the controls have abdicated their lawful authority to operate our national aircraft. By ignoring the supreme legal authority in our nation, the Constitution, the Bill of Rights, and their real bosses, we the people, they have lost their legitimacy. The time has come for us to take to heart the bold words of Todd Beamer on board United Flight 93, who led a small band of courageous passengers— Are you guys ready? Let's roll. I was surprised to learn that only three or four of the thirty-seven passengers and only one flight attendant actually took any direct action in confronting the terrorists on United 93. Try to imagine the courage and resolve these men and women had to muster while rushing forward to attack the terrorists, amid the protests and cries of other terrified passengers frozen in their seats with fear." The Sheeple probably wanted to follow the path of complacent appeasement and believe the lies broadcasting from the official intercom system. They must have thought Beamer and his gang were brash cowboys who were going to get them all killed. These responders likely had to ignore the terrified voices of the Sheeple passengers as they begged and screamed at them to go back and sit down compliantly like everyone else. Those brave heroes ignored the fearful bleeding of these cowards and did their duty. Is it any different now? Only a relatively small number of American people stood up against the tyranny of the British in America's first revolutionary war. The rest were either too fearful or they were too heavily invested in the status quo to do anything other than remain loyalist to the crown. Many Americans considered Great Britain their mother country. And had friends and relatives in England. It was unconscionable for most of them to imagine going to war against their British kinsmen. Some of these loyalists even betrayed their fellow Americans who were fighting even for them and their posterity in the Revolutionary War. To conclude, our shared aircraft has been hijacked. Our enemies are numerous, but they are not invincible. In fact, they will be ultimately defeated and brought to justice. However, as I will reveal in the chapter titled, Our Real Enemies, there are dark forces operating in an unseen realm who are manipulating and directing the groups and individuals assailing our constitutional and Christian foundations. These invisible minions of darkness are the true enemies, and they must and will bend and submit to the authority we stand in as Christians." Again, by His grace and mercy, God has granted to the United States of America a system of government that stands heads and shoulders above all others in human history. Here in America, we the people are the boss. Public servants are intended to be just that, servants. They are our employees, and their legitimacy and authority stem from the people, It is high time we remind them of this fact. The people, the people, are the rightful masters of both congresses and courts, not to overthrow the Constitution, but to overthrow the men who pervert it. Abraham Lincoln Our past will guide us into our future. The next part of our journey is into our nation's past. Perhaps within the history of our founding— we will discover wisdom that will save our shared craft and bring us back to the Founders' original flight plan. Thank you for joining us today on the Libertatum Chronicles podcast. We hope you'll join us again for the next episode as we continue to pull back the curtain further on the lies and deceits of the Shadow Agenda and receive information and encouragement to boldly stand up and make a difference. Please be sure to subscribe to the podcast and leave us a comment by visiting our website www.thelibertatumchronicles.com to find out how you can receive your own copy of Destroying the Shadow Agenda. Until the next episode, be strong, courageous, and encouraged.